Praise God. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Amen. And if you're watching us on theantioch.com this morning, we welcome you into our broadcast. We pray that you're blessed by what you see here and feel. Amen. If you're physically able to stand, would you stand this morning in honor of the man of God? We're so happy and thrilled and privileged again. It's been a little while, but to have back with us a friend of Antioch. He's been here long enough. He's no longer just a guest, but a I think we could consider him a friend of this church, but also a man that comes and speaks the word into this church, and we need that. Amen. So if you would put your hands together, give Brother Hood honor as he comes. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Great to be in the house of God. I'd, I'd rather be in the house of God. My first pastor that... I prayed through under, he used to say, I'd rather be in the house of God than the best hospital in town. And and the house of God can be like a hospital. It's got a it's got an ER, you got an emergency, you got an able physician who can fix any problem. He can cure any situation. Sometimes the Lord likes to give us preventative measures, but we don't pay attention. So then it has to become curative. The Lord has to come and fix what we mess up. Amen. But that's why the Lord gives us a Messiah. <laughs> he gives us a Messiah for our mess. We mess it up, we need a Savior. But in the house of God, you've got OR, you've got the operating room. If you let the, if you let the surgical sword of the Spirit go to where it needs to go, pierce to where it needs to pierce, Cutting and dividing, even asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you come out of God's OR, you don't have to worry about recurring situations. I guarantee you, if we were to poll and pass this microphone around, one of the most troubling things to the Christian faith, to the apostolic mindset, are the recurring situations. I thought I had that under the blood. I thought I had fixed that several days, years, decades, at least minutes ago. And then it seems to come right back around and bother you again. Now, maybe you are the exception to the rule. And there are a few exceptions to the rule. I haven't found any yet. If you've got flesh and blood, you have to deal with flesh and blood issues. That's why we have the blood of Jesus for the flesh. A cleansing and a washing and a renewing. Aren't you thankful for the power of the blood today? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's always a delight to be here. It's good to be here with Pastor Joel Wright. It's great to always see his family. And, you know, every time we get together, our kids have grown a little bigger, gotten a little taller. I can't believe I've got a 21-year-old. And, uh, and then I've got a, uh, my oldest boy is about to turn 18, but that's okay. We got a second set. We've got an eight and a five year old. So we're good. Don't worry about sisterhood and I have an empty nest syndrome. We're okay. <laughs> we kind of did that. So our older kids wouldn't feel the pressure to give us grandkids right off the bat. <laughs> but, uh, 
we've been blessed. Our family is blessed. And uh, it's always a privilege to be here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And uh, I'll pick up about verse number 22. The scripture says, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Isn't it amazing the times that God just has a one-word answer? If you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. He didn't go into a 15-minute dialogue. It wasn't this all night long, just just one word. Sometimes if we're not paying attention in the spirit, we miss that momentary, transitory, spiritual passageway that could make the difference. Now, that's not to put any pressure on you. And when, but when, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. The Bible tells us there are two people in history that walked on the water. Jesus walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. And he, the Bible said to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. I want to talk to you about things that get us off course. Things that get us off course. You've got a made up mind. You've got a focused faith. You've got a passionate hunger for the things of God. If you pray daily, it's evident. If you read your Bible every day, it's evident. If you're involved in intercessory prayer, it's evident. And yet, isn't it amazing? Often the things, sometimes you expect them because you know where to look. But sometimes you, you don't know where it's coming from. The things that will get you off track. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and ask him to minister in only the way he can. In the depth of the spirit, in that Piercing edge of the sword today, God, I pray. Let the ministry of the word of God, let it find that lodging place this morning. Let it touch God, the broken heart. Let it minister, O oh God, to the agonizing spirit. To the one that feels like there are prayers that are not being answered. There are things in areas of faith that are not being taken care of. I pray, O oh God, today, let somebody see they're on the right track. And just to continue to move forward and to have faith. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. First of all, has, has anybody here ever been distracted? 
You ever been driving down the street and been distracted by something on the side of the road and almost hit the guy in front of you? Maybe you did hit the guy in front of you. In fact, most accidents happen because folks get distracted. We have these things called texting. It it is amazing how many people are texting. Uh, I mean, I got frustrated the other day at somebody was texting because they almost hit me while I was texting. (laughs) And I was trying to do it the right way because I had pushed that little microphone button on the smartphone and was going to try to just speak it. But it, for some reason, it is shorted out for that moment. So I had to, I had to try to definitely do it. I hadn't quite learned to do it like my kids can do it. They can do it blindly and they can text 35,000 words a minute because <laughs> they do it in shorthand and abbreviations. And I, I don't even try to do that. I just go ahead and spell out the word because I'm afraid I'll, I'll get the wrong abbreviation and somebody will get the wrong message. And then, of course, you've got autocorrect. That's the most wonderful thing that's ever come around. That's why you better spell check and double check every text before you send it. But you can easily be distracted. You can be right in the middle of God developing a miracle for you and be distracted. You can be right in the middle of the greatest spiritual revival that you've ever had personally for yourself or for your family, and you can get distracted. This is exactly what happened to Apostle Peter. Here they are in the middle of the sea. The waves are strong. The atmosphere is against them. And here comes Jesus walking on the water between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. because you know the four watches of Roman times. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., the first watch, 9 to midnight, the second watch, midnight to 3 a.m., the third. He comes in the fourth watch between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Not exactly the most advantageous time, but it is the time the storm hit. It is the time that is the stress is at its, mag, uh, at its maximum. And then here comes the supernatural walking in the middle of the water. Now, Now, Lord, couldn't you do it about 10 o'clock in the morning when we're all awake? Isn't it amazing how often the Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night? The Lord woke me up the other night at about 1 o'clock and said, I want you to start praying for this right now. But, God, I would would be better praying at about 6. I'm not going to be very good praying right now, but it ain't about how articulate you could be. God's not looking for an orator. He's looking for somebody at that particular moment to stand in the gap. And here it is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And Jesus is walking on the water. And the very first thing they think is that it's a ghost. Because a ghost is a representation of what used to be. Aren't you glad that you're not in a church today that is just about apologetic memories of what used to happen? There's miracles sitting here today. Has anybody ever been healed? Has anybody had a spiritual breakthrough lately? Has anybody felt like God has picked you up when you've made a mess of things, but he pulled you out of the situation, saved you just in time, rescued you from what could have been ongoing regret? You ought to praise the Lord again this morning if he's been your healer. 
So you're not, you're not just talking about something that has become a religious relic for somebody else. You hadn't just built a monument to the apostolic memories, to the things that used to happen in the New Testament church. There are people sitting here today that they wouldn't be sitting here today if it hadn't been for the supernatural intervention of the hand of God. So to them, it's not a ghost. It's a Holy Ghost. It's not what happened yesterday. It's what's happening right now. It's not living off the reputation of 30-year-ago revivals. It's what's taking place right now. Has anybody had a breakthrough in your family this year? Has anybody had something take place in a time-sensitive issue that if it hadn't been for the seconds of the supernatural, you'd still be stuck in the minutes of slow-moving misery and wondering if anything was ever going to happen. But I can praise the Lord this morning because I know of financial breakthroughs. I know of physical breakthroughs. I know of a God that heals cancers. I know of a God that heals blood issues and heart problems and any kind of disease because I believe that the blood of Jesus is still the atoning power still the cleansing agency the devil doesn't know what to do about the blood diseases don't know what to do about the blood darkness doesn't know what to do about the blood the deceivers of hell don't know what to do about the blood so I'm not talking about a memory of what used to be praise God the healers in this house right now it might be your fourth watch of the night. It might be between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. on your particular timeline of the trial. But you ought to rise up in the Holy Ghost this morning and just start dancing a little bit. And saying, I'm not afraid of the dilemma. I'm not afraid of the chronology of my circumstances. If God wants to do it at the last minute, he will manifest his power. If he wants to do it in the early part of it, he can do what Whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, I'm still going to submit every sickness to the supernatural power of a Savior's blood. Are there any folks around here that still know how to plead the blood of the Lamb? You used to do it when you first got in the church, when you were first passionate about the things of God. Any hint of hell that came around, you would stand up against it and you would say, I plead the blood of Jesus against you. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Praise God, praise God. We're not just preaching a historical Jesus. We're not just preaching a hysterical Jesus. We're preaching a right now happening Jesus. He's in the house right now. He's burning in the hearts of those that will lift him up and magnify his name. Praise God, praise God. I will tell you that one of the rudiments of my personal faith after almost 34 years of preaching and having been raised up sometimes in an alcoholic atmosphere, I learned at a young age how to get by myself and dance to the Lord and magnify Jesus. I didn't need a crowd. I didn't need a choir. I just needed Jesus. If I could get somewhere by myself and start magnifying the Lord. I heard what other people had. I heard about other folks getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. I didn't want just a ghost. I wanted the Holy Ghost. I wanted to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. 
I wanted to know what it was like to stagger around under the power of God. I didn't want to just hear about how good they had it with the supernatural in the Brush Harbor days when we didn't have padded seats and air-conditioned buildings. I wanted it for myself. Is there anybody that feels that way here today after all your years of experience and intelligence and religious understanding? Do you still have a raw faith of a new convert's passion? that'll rise up in the spirit and say I'm not satisfied with what I've seen I want more of God I'm hungry for his holiness I'm thirsty for his truth I long for the light that shines into the dark regions of bitter souls I believe that God is still the healer you need your healing right now just say well I've already prayed it 5,000 times well pray it 5,000 and one time He that endureth to the end. What happened to our spiritual stamina? Why are we so easily faint? Because we lived in a soft generation. If they don't get it in a microwave minute, then God must not love me. How about Abraham and Sarah walking around calling each other father of many nations and mother of many nations for 25 years before a baby is even born? I don't know if anybody in this culture in America could hold on to a promise for more than five minutes. Well, praise God. Sometimes folks say, well, I've been praying for it for two years and it hadn't happened yet. What if you're just one more prayer away from the promise? What if you're one more step from that spiritual breakthrough? I wonder how many folks are going to stand before God one day having missed out on the blessings of everlasting life in a new Jerusalem in a city where the Lamb is the light because they quit right at the finish line. Praise God. Praise God. They decided. It just got too difficult, too difficult, got too difficult. What happened to the vocabulary of some that would say, you know what, I don't care how difficult it gets. I'm going to church. I don't care how severe the circumstances are. I trust in the Lord, and I'm going to seek his face. Praise God. I've got this little saying that's become a personal modifier for me. Stop making excuses. And start making adjustments. Don't let yesterday's memory of the bad things become tomorrow's expectation. Make adjustments. You can make slight adjustments and you'll avoid the major problems. You get off a little inch right here, it may not seem like that much right now. But you let it get several months, two or three years down the road, you'll be 15, 20 miles off track. Because the line just keeps, it just keeps angling off toward apostasy and angling off towards something that is damaging to your faith. And sometimes it's just one little old distraction. Well, I can't get closer to God because I got somebody in my family that's just a thorn in my flesh. Welcome to the rest of the world. Well, I'm leaving the church because I've been offended. Hold the door open. We're all going with you. Because everybody's been offended. If you've got skin and feelings... You've been offended. Some of you were offended coming to church today. Your wife or your husband offended you. You almost turned around and just wheeled right back out of the parking lot. Isn't it something? How? Boy, y'all are quiet this morning. I must be right. I must be right dead aim. 
See, the older I get, the quietness doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It actually helps me. It lets me know. The folks are quiet because they're, they're, they done been found out. <laughs> you don't want me to find you out, just, just start shouting and dancing right now. <laughs> Isn't it somehow, I mean, your marriage, it can be the most romantic. It, it's like it was the first seven days of the honeymoon. All week long. Hey, honey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, dear. How would you like your toast? Well, I believe I'd like it dry this morning with over easy eggs. Oh, I'd be so delighted to do that for you. What time do you have to be at work? Well, they want me to come in early today. I've got to be there at 830. Oh, well, would you like for me to go out and warm up your car? Oh, I would love that. We've switched roles here. I hope you recognize. Now it's the husband talking to the wife. I hope the wives are not going out and warming up the cars for the husbands. But hey, if it works in your marriage. <laughs> You've gotten along. I mean, y'all have held hands. She scooted right back over. If you've got a pickup truck, she's, she's not sitting over there clinging to the door. She scooted right back over next to you. Every red light or two, she leans over and brushes your cheek with a kiss. I mean, it's just romance. It's like Valentine's Day in the middle of May or the beginning of May. Sunday morning rolls around. Gotten along all week long. And then 15 minutes from the church. I'm not even going to look out there because it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to look. <laughs> 15 minutes before you get to church. <laughs> it is the biggest fuss you've had since last Sunday morning. <laughs> and it's kind of like it picks up where it left off. Gotten along all week long. Distracted right in the middle of a miracle. It takes you 30 minutes in the first part of the service to even want to do this to God because you're so upset at your spouse you can't even hardly love God. Well, he didn't do nothing to you. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Pick up your anger at your spouse later. Or y'all might just pray through. But flesh is flesh. I cannot believe how I can walk out of some of the greatest moves of God. People getting the Holy Ghost. Backsliders coming back to God. Folks that have quit paying their tithes. See, I'm a pastor now. <laughs> Letting the devourer mess up stuff in their families. And then they start paying their tithes again. Revival spirit taking place. Baptistry action taking place. Folks getting baptized in Jesus' name. I can get out of that kind of service. Drive five minutes down the road. And be tempted by road rage. I cannot believe that man just cut me off in traffic. I'm going to catch up and give him the five-fold ministry is what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's going to be a fist of faith. And then, hey, can I teach you a Bible study? <laughs> I'm fussing at red lights. Praise God. I still got a lot of evangelists in me. Got to get it done right now. I ain't got time for these red lights. And my kids, they know I don't like traffic, I don't like construction work, and I don't like red lights. And if I get all three, nobody needs to ride in the car with me. But we can allow all these little foxes to spoil the vine. 
We can allow all these trivial things to take us away from the treasures and the realities of what God is doing for us. I felt in the Holy Ghost when I came in here today that there were some folks sitting here. I wanted to tell you, you are so close to the next breakthrough. I'm not going to just say you're so close to a breakthrough because you have breakthroughs. And some folks have breakthroughs on a consistent basis. But you're so close to a breakthrough. But I feel like you're being distracted by a trivial thing, whatever it is. Did you just get some bad news this week on the job? Did you find out you weren't going to get that promotion? Or did you find out that if you take that promotion, you're going to have to work a lot longer hours and it may take away from other things you're going to do? Did you get some bad news from the doctor? Was it not the report you thought it was going to be? Did you get a phone call from a bill collector? Talk about going from the peak of peace to the valley of despair. Talk to a bill collector for five minutes. I sent the check. I paid the payment. Well, we don't have any record of it. Blood pressure. Redness in the face. Fever. I was having a good prayer meeting 15 minutes ago. Now I'm talking to you. <laughs> Let me tell somebody. This month of May ought to be the greatest month of revival you've ever had. Oh, ever had? Why not? What are you waiting on? Are we stuck in memory? No, no, no. Don't look over your shoulder what happened at the last harvest. You ought to say, this, this right here, God's going to do some things in my family that I've been waiting on. Who will agree with that? There's some prodigals coming home. There's some folks going to come to themselves in the pig pen. They're going to get tired of the devil's slop. And they're going, they want to come back. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. And we know, really, you don't even need discernment. Just a, a simple statistical analysis of most revival churches in the, our apostolic movement. If we had a backslider revival, we couldn't hold them, right? If people in your family came back to God who have been deceived and have become like tumbleweeds where they used to be planted in the truth and rooted in revival, like rock-solid faith and all of a sudden they're gone. They're tree stumps where they used to be towering, flourishing, fruitful, productive saints of the living God, winning souls, and now they've drifted off. Why not say, we're going to walk on the water this month. We're going to go to Jesus this month. It may be the fourth watch of the night, but there's a miracle right in the middle of the storm. There's a calmness right in the middle of the chaos. There is a settling of the issue that regardless of how severe the circumstances look, Jesus is taking care of it. There's going to be something happen in my family, and I'm not going to let little distractions interrupt what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. There's going to be things happen in my finances now, how many found this to be true? You feel a passion to give. It's a missions night. There's a project that needs to be given toward. Man, you feel the Holy Ghost move on you. I've been there. Write that $1,000 check out and run down there. Whoa, in the name of Jesus. And I'm expecting that miracles are going to come and God is going to send me a millionaire who just all of a sudden wants to give me the keys to his business and car and homes and everything he's got in his bank. 
and he might. Hadn't happened yet. Because God loves a cheerful giver, not a tearful giver. Oh, God, don't, don't really want to give this up. But we've done that, right? Two days later, you get distracted in the middle of a miracle that's being developed in your finances because you get a call from the IRS or you get a bill in the mail you weren't expecting. Or they said, well, we thought it was only going to be $2,000 to fix that, but really we forgot a zero. It's going to be 20000 Oh, it's the reversal. It seems like the opposite is taking place. What's going on here, God? Let me tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, you didn't make a mistake given what you give. You never make a mistake trusting God with his, with your, with his tithe. It's not your tithe. It's really his. And why not let God become the best CPA you've ever had by saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give not only what belongs to you, but sacrificially, I'm going to give because in the end, it's not about guilt. I don't like to put anybody on a guilt trip about giving. I like to put you on a grace trip because it's about the favor of God. And if, if I let God become the manager of my finances, he can do a whole lot more with my 90% or 85% or 80, whatever you decide. Beyond that tithe, whatever you're sacrificing, he does a whole lot more with it than I could ever do with my 100%. Saying, well, I, I got to pay the mortgage payment first, and then I got to pay the car payment. And then you can tell I've been pastoring, haven't you? I got I to pay. And then if there's a little bit left over here for God, how about you put God to the front of the line? Go ahead and put God at the front of the line. And I guarantee you, by the word of the Lord, he said he would rebuke the devourer. If you've had caterpillars and locusts and palmer worms and canker worms messing up what's going on in your family, in your finances, in your faith, get God back at the front of the line. Don't let the financial distractions, don't let the family distractions, and don't let the fear distractions because fear is what might happen. And then we get anxious. Well, this could go wrong. Well, if I do this, this may take place. And we analyze it and we criticize it and we've got it all figured out and we have made the prognostications of it and we then procrastinate doing anything about it because it may fall apart before we even get it done. And fear keeps us from getting what God wants us to have because this might happen. But faith says, I don't know what might happen, but I know what will happen in the Word of God. When you preach the Word of God, when you practice the Word of God, when you pray the Word of God, the promises of the Word of God are going to be complete. They're going to help me break through every wall of wickedness, every barrier of bitterness, every distraction of the world, every dilemma to my faith. Because my dilemma today could be my testimony tomorrow. The circumstances that look like they are holding me back right now are the very things that will propel me in the coming days if I will allow myself to realize something's being developed. What did the psalmist say? This is a powerful revelation when the scripture says, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. What did he say? Even in my conception, he said, the Lord saw my substance. At the moment of conception, God could roll the clock ahead 
and he could see the blue eyes and the blonde hair, or he could see the brunette hair. He could see what the features of the baby was going to be. He knew, knows what it's going to look like from conception. He's already seen it in full development. The Bible said, Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Very same thing. We live in a culture that wants to abort babies and have partial birth abortions. They want to destroy the substance because they think it's okay to do that. And the soul begins at conception. Folks do it in the spiritual sense. They abort miracles all the time because they give up on it. It's the substance of things hoped for. Part of faith is recognizing that it may still be in development. It's not complete yet, but God told me it was going to happen. For instance, if God said to me in simplicity, Danny, I want you to walk straight over there to that wall and touch that wall. Don't let anything stop you. Whatever you have to do, get to that wall, touch that wall, and when you do, this is going to happen. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but so was Jesus spitting in dirt, making clay, wiping it on a guy's eyes. You and I have all at times or another, if you've had faith in God, been asked by the Holy Ghost to do something that seems nonsensical or ridiculous. But then you took a step of faith. So if I said, well, I got to go over here, and then somebody said, hey, what are you doing? You don't have to do that. Come do it this way. Or as I'm walking along, I step on a piece of broken glass. Oh, my foot's hurt. I'm bleeding. I can't go any further. I have been wounded. And what's the use of even going over? I hadn't seen anything yet. Yeah, but he didn't tell you. You're going to see it in the middle of the road. In part of the journey, halfway through the chapter. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Finish it. Finish it. Take another step. Finish it. It's still in development. God hasn't forgotten it. But if you get distracted in the middle of the miracle, you'll leave here with a sinking feeling rather than a rising faith. And the rising faith will tell you, keep going. I know it looks bad. There's storms. There's fog. There's interferences. There's intercepting spirits. There's doctrines of devils. There's seducing spirits. There's all kinds of things to get you off track. But just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because once you get to that, hey, Oh my goodness, can you believe? Look at that. Breakthrough, spiritual energy, passion coming back, confidence renewed, hopes restored. I didn't think it was going to happen back here. Well, exactly, because God said you had to finish the route. Stay on course. Hey, the walls of Jericho are not coming down on the fourth day. If you haven't seen the walls come down on the fourth day, keep marching. The seventh day's coming. And the seventh cycle and circle around that wall is coming. Just stick with what God told you to do. Stay with the plan of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stay in the flow. Amen. Sometimes folks say, well, I, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. So it is when you get in rivers. Sometimes rivers, they might get real narrow, might not need much water in it. You might have to get out and drag your canoe for a minute. But pretty soon when you're down there another mile and it's the rapids and you, whoa, hang on. We are going somewhere now. Sometimes you get in the rapids of revival and you think, whoa, this is the greatest thing. This is the 
most powerful church. This is the best pastor I've ever had. These are the greatest ministers I've ever seen. And five days later, nobody loves me. They don't care about me. They don't pray for me. They're the meanest, cruelest. I pastor, I know. I ride that roller coaster. Some folks come into the church and go, Woo, it's the best thing I've ever had. And other folks are like, man, I don't know. I, say, I don't know if I like this anymore. Stay with it. Don't get distracted in the middle of your miracle. Because they're there. He took his eyes off of Jesus. The simplicity of this. He took his eyes off Jesus. What he saw the winds doing. What he saw everything else doing. The lack of focus in our generation is astounding. Really. I know some of you are sitting here right now going, I'm focused. But you'd be like a dog to a new bone if somebody threw it. <laughs> I'm focused. Temptation, temptation. Oh. Don't brag about being faithful until you've been given an opportunity to be unfaithful. There's some folks that are really good at judging everybody else's trial and you're flunking your own test. Amen. I like what one, I read what somebody said here recently. I can't, I can't remember who it was. It's not original with me, but he said we're really good with uh, microscopes, but not mirrors. In other words, we can find everybody else's flaw, but let's, let's look in the mirror. Let's look at ourselves. When you stay in the flow of the Holy Ghost, sometimes the river may twist and turn. It may seem like for a moment it's going in the opposite direction of where you intend to go, but stay in the flow of the Spirit. Why would God take me that circuitous route? Because maybe he's trying to teach us something. For instance, if I needed to touch that speaker, I'm, I'm what, five feet from it? But what if the Lord said, nope, go all the way around the building, come around this other side and then touch it from the other side. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Why would anybody ever do that? Because there's some treasures along the way over there that you're going to get that you won't get just taking the shortcut. Doing what seems to be fleshly easy. Somebody today, the Lord is trying to tell you through his word that the reason you have a constant sinking feeling about what you're facing right now is because you're too easily being distracted by what other people think, by what other folks are saying, and you've already received several confirmations through the preaching of your pastor, through guest preachers that have come through and preached messages. And it's like God has drew the picture dot to dot and he sees what it's going to be. But you've assumed it to be something else and you've stopped believing it and you've stopped praying about it. I encourage you today, don't get distracted. Stop listening to what the outside voices are telling you. And come back to the simplicity of saying, I believe what the man of God told me. And I'm going to stick with the plan. It looks like right now in the second quarter with five minutes left before halftime. And I'm down by 30. That I ain't going to get this. But it ain't over yet. Get some tenacity. Get the proverbial champion's heart. And say, I'm going to go back to church. And I'm going to pray about that miracle again. Go back to church. And I'm going to believe that God is going to give me my family, financial, and faith breakthrough that I need. 
And I'm not going to let little old foxes and trivial things get me off course. Because it's not just distractions that will get you off course. It's attractions that will get you off course. That's why the Bible said in Colossians 3 and 2, set. There it is. got to make up your mind. Set. You get anchored. You get rooted. You get a made up mind. You get some stickability. You have endurance. You have spiritual stamina. You decide that no matter how weary you get, you're going to push on and you're going to make it and pray again and fast another day and travail another day because my miracle is about to be born. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Set. You got to make up your mind because attractions then, temptations, go back. To our original mama. We'd all like to strangle her neck today if we could. But we can't. Eve gets distracted. The Bible said by the most subtle beast of the field. Is that what it says? Genesis 3 and 1. The most subtle beast of the field. He's got persuasive speech. By the time that you get back down to verse number 6. When she is tempted by the fruit. The Bible said when she saw Is it verse 6? When she saw, and when the woman saw, attracted, off course. She saw it. Uh Uh-oh. It's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. There it is. It don't matter how much you pray. It don't matter how many days you fast. You need to be careful. If you've just come off a 14-day fast, don't think you're invincible to sin. You're still going to have to deal with lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen. And if we're not careful, we'll let attractions get us off course. We become more entertainment-minded than evangelistically-minded. We don't mind the pleasure meeting, don't want to go to a prayer meeting. We don't mind the fun and the fellowship, but what about the fasting and the building of faith? We don't mind receiving, but what about the giving? Attractions easily get me off course. And here's what I don't understand. Going back to verse number one, the most subtle beast in the field was the serpent. They named that the serpent from the Hebrew word that is based on the hissing sound that a serpent makes. And this particular serpent didn't have a tympanic nerve, which means it couldn't hear. It had to go according to vibrations. So the devil is a master at getting you to what do you feel about it, not, but not what did you hear. How do you feel about it? Oh, I feel like that would be the right thing to do. Really? Go ahead and take a bite out of that fruit and see what happens. Naked, shame, and the loss of paradise. Attractions getting us off course. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Over there. Over here. Oh, And all of a sudden, we lose what God has patterned for us. To be the promises of God. Let me ask you a question. Why would you settle for the serpent in the field? That word field means it still needs to be cultivated. It's still undeveloped. It is not fully fruitful. Why would you settle for the serpent in the field when you've got the God in the garden? But we often trade the treasures of truth let me let me ask you this question why would anybody that's ever come down here and done this and left 
You ever been drunk on the Holy Ghost? Wave your hand. If you've ever been just so full of the Holy Ghost. You do, and, and I'm talking about one of them sloppy drunks. Somebody had to take you out to the car. Praise God. That happens. Let me ask you a question. Why would anybody that's ever experienced that in an altar want to go back to Jim Beam or Jack Daniels or marijuana? I know y'all don't have no problems out here in Maryland with marijuana. We do in the mile high city. (laughs) I mean, praise God. Everybody's wanting to get in the pot business. That used to mean something else 15 years ago. Now it's, now it's, everybody thinks, whoo, it's healing. No, it's not. Why would you trade the substance of God's presence ever, ever going back to the beggarly elements? You know why it happens? Because we get distracted on the course and we get attracted to other things. On the, if it's not distractions and attractions that get us off course, sometimes it's infractions. Yep, they made me mad. I'm not going back. Got my feelings hurt, not going down to the altar to pray. I don't like what the preacher said. I'm just going to sit right here while everybody else gets a touch of God. (laughs) Infractions. I got my feelings hurt. Got my faith wounded. I got my vision blurred. Uh, This is what somebody said to me or this is what I did to somebody else. Failures, yesterday's mistakes, all these accumulated things that rise up, they get us off course. But I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost today, don't let distractions, attractions, or infractions keep you from what you may just be a few more feet away from. If I say I'm right here and I'm this far, I've journeyed all this way and I'm just this far from touching it, getting it, receiving it, getting closer to God, finally understanding Finally making sense of all the things I've been through in the last several months or years. Amen. They are finally starting to make sense. And now I'm going to quit. No, don't quit. You're just a few more feet. If you believe that this morning, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. If you believe that this morning and you need a miracle in your family or in your finances, Or it's just your own personal faith that maybe has been wounded by distractions, attractions, or infractions. I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands to the Lord. Let's take a moment here in the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe that your word is still a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. But how easy we allow the voices in the shadows and the distractions in the darkness the whispers of yesterday's failures to come back, haunt us, mystify us, cause us to lose our clarity, cause the word of God that used to be so resounding to be barely a faint whisper, cause us, God, to miss the opportunities that really are your opportunities to take the things that we don't really know what to do about. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Would you lift up your voice for a moment? Would you turn up the volume of your faith for a moment? Would you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right where you're standing here in the name of Jesus? Oh God, right now, right now, 
You know the journey that I've made. You know the steps that I've taken. You know the progress that we've had. God, you know that the repair that has come to the marriage, the repair that has come to a particular individual's faith that maybe in the last few years has allowed things to cause them to backslide and drift away, but they've come back and the fire is hot and the faith is intense and the desire is desperate. God, don't let them get distracted now. Don't let the tempter win the battle now. For somebody that's starting to feel an old craving come back that you thought was under the blood. Why are you feeling that way on this particular day? Don't give in. Or don't let one day of bad weather take away the climate of faith where the sun has been shining. Don't let one day and one argument destroy all of the years of repair that God has brought. Don't get distracted now. You're just a few more feet, just a few more days. What is the next breakthrough? What's the next season? What is to be harvested in this, this year's crop? If I'm not careful, I'll let the enemy come and steal it. I'll let the hirelings come in, set fire to it. I'll let the wolves in sheep's clothing come and get me off course. By getting me to be persuaded in something else that should never have been as convincing as the promises made in the Word of God. Come on, somebody, today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to walk down to this front with your family needs, with your financial needs, with your faith needs. I want you to walk down to the front to that individual today. I feel like God is has given some specific encouragement and a reminder of the directions you've already been given. You didn't make a wrong turn. You're not off track. Don't let discouragement try to tell you you are. Don't let the whispers of last week's failures try to tell you you are. You're in this service right now. There's a renewing of faith in this altar right now. There's a focusing. Sometimes if it's, if it's blurred a little bit like the high dollar cameras, the professional photographers use, just reach your hand up there and just twist the, twist the lens just a little bit. It'll get clear. Zoom in on a word that God has given you rather than looking at it distantly with discouragement, discontentment, despair, depression. Zoom in on it again. This is what the man of God said six weeks ago. This is what I was taught in the word of the Lord years ago. It still works. The formula still works. The prescription of what God has given me still heals. I will not let the liars of darkness and the deceivers take away from me and distract me. Don't leave here with a sinking feeling that it's not going to work out. The Lord's saying, trust me. Trust me. I didn't give you bad directions. Trust me. I didn't give you the wrong instructions. Keep putting it together like I showed you how to put it together. It'll make more sense later. Don't look at it half-baked. Don't look at it half-finished. Don't look at the journey and you're not there yet. And say, well, I must have missed it. No, keep going. Keep praying. I'm believing for that son and that daughter. Ah, 
It looks like there's no hope for them. It looks like they've drowned in it so much that the waters have overwhelmed them. But in Jesus' name, I'm going to pray for them again. I'm going to intercede for them again. I'm going to have some spiritual battle for them again. I'm going to continue to occupy. Come on in the name of Jesus. Don't quit. It's as simple as that. Don't give up. It's as simple as that. Pray one more time. Go again. Knock that door again. Make that phone call again. Teach another Bible study. If the last one didn't produce the results, go and do it again. Because the field is fertile. Some soul that is struggling today within your fingertips reach is ripe and ready for a witness like you to come along. Stop feeling like the failure you keep telling yourself you are. Stop being distracted by yesterday's results when tomorrow's miracle's waiting. Take another step. I'm going to pray again. Still got the vision. Go. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Do it, Holy Ghost. Do it, Holy Ghost. Do it, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, help us to break through those barriers today. Help us to stay focused. Help us not to lose our concentration. All the compromising things going on around us, all the opinions and the secular ideas trying to get us off track. Let me not lose my inspiration from the instructions of the Word of God. Hold fast. Stay steady. Pray it again right now. You're praying it. I know it looks like it's out of reach. But take a few more paces. Walk a little bit farther. It'll get within reach. Ha! Shake. If you're not praying for yourself, why don't you reach over next to somebody that's next to you? Let's begin to pray one for another. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. Come on, reach over and agree with somebody. Take them by the hand, put your hand on their shoulder, and agree with them. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Jesus, come on, the Lord's moving in this place. Come on, let him do something in you. Let him do something through you. Oh, yeah, yeah.
place today. your prayer today. take a journey across an empty place, whether it's an ocean or a desert or a wilderness, and you're attempting to make it to the other side, 
and you're in that dry and empty place or maybe that open ocean with no land in sight, there comes a point as you go forward, they call it the point of no return. There's a point that you cross that it's actually easier to keep going forward than it is actually to go back from where you started. And there's sometimes in our walk with God that we fight so long and we push so hard and we believe for so long that it's actually closer to where we're going now than we were when we started all this. And it's as simple as it can be sometimes a man of God spoke it. We want the big flash of lightning and the big thundering voice, but sometimes just to keep doing what we're doing. If I keep doing what we're do what I'm doing, I will make it through this. But to quit and try to go back to where I started will be a longer journey to get back there than it will be if I just keep going. And that's why in times like this, it's so important to respond to the Spirit of God. Because it's in times like this, it gives me strength when I don't have the strength. It's when I'm in the, the doldrums of the ocean, when I don't have that wind blowing my sail. And it feels like I'm making no progress. And the Spirit of the Lord comes in here like it did today and blows on us. And we feel like we get fresh wind in our sails. And we begin to feel like all of a sudden now being stagnant, we begin to see progress being made because we know if I just keep heading forward God is faithful I've said this and asked this question a thousand times all over the world and I haven't got one answer contrary to the end but is there anybody in this place today that God's ever failed I mean God is 1000% of the time always there if he's never failed and you haven't ever you've never found anyone yet there's 300 plus people here today and not one person said God's failed I've asked this question all over the world haven't found one person to give me an answer different than that. if that's the case then what are we looking for another answer for because the government fails your job fails your family fails, your friends fail, your co-workers fail, your neighbors fail, your car fails, your clothes fail, but Jesus never fails. So as the man of God spoke it, stop getting distracted with everything that will fail and hold on to the one who never fails. I wonder one more time we could just reach our hands to heaven and let's just love on the Lord. Can we do that? He's been so wonderful here today. So many people were touched, so many lives the word of the Lord went forth so specifically. Let that just soak into your heart for a moment. Let it soak into the ground of your heart. Can you just let it for a moment? Just let it soak in. Can you do that? In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Hood, for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost and obeying God this morning. Amen.
I'd encourage some of you that need to go back and listen to this again. Watch it again. Let it soak into your spirit. This was a word for God from God. Amen. Don't forget tonight, Tent Revival, 6 p.m. out under the big top. So I encourage you to come be a part of that. Why don't you take a moment, shake somebody's hand, greet them, and uh, hope to see everyone back here this evening. Praise God. God bless you.